Hello everyone and welcome to this special edition of Let's Talk Data. Today we have Tony Gent and Dave Hind to discuss backup, ransomware and the role of immutability. We will discuss the danger that ransomware presents to the modern organisation and how best to defend your business against this. We will discuss immutability, which has become quite a trending topic. And we talk about the pros, cons and what to look out for. And we ask our guests, is immutability the ultimate answer to protecting backups? Hello and welcome to our studio. We're here today to talk about immutability and whether it is the ultimate answer to protecting backups. So I'm here in the studio today and I'd like to welcome our two guests. We have Tony Gent, who is the Product Manager of Availability and Protection at Proact AB. Hello, Tony. Hi, Laura. And we have David Hind, who is the UK Marketing Manager for Proact UK. Hello. Hi. Welcome. Thanks for joining us. Um, so let me start by asking the first question, which is also the title of our Let's Talk Data show, which is, is immutability the ultimate answer to protecting backup? Yeah, I think the key element here is that immutability is a really important uh, feature when it comes to protecting against ransomware. However, ransomware is a, an enormous problem. And while immutability provides us with a degree of protection, it maybe isn't the magic bullet that sort of uh, it, that is portrayed to be a fair amount. So, so I think from Proact's perspective, what we're trying to do is make sure that our customers have a complete picture of how to do their data protection, rather than simply focusing on immutability. So yes, mutability, good thing, but maybe not the complete picture. Right. Okay. And and Dave, what is the current guidance given to organisations when it comes to data security? There's actually quite a lot of legislation, a lot of guidance around security, mutability, cyber, cyber protection. But the I suppose the key key piece of information, key piece of guidance is the EU Network Information Security Directive, which is obviously a, a European-wide piece of guidance that um, aims to to bring kind of consistency amongst guidance and legislation from each individual European country. So that's filtered down through various different bodies and delivered locally in, in slightly different forms. But if, you know, if, if companies and organisations are wanting to reference a key piece of guidance, that's the one to go for. So, Tony, what type of guidance is typically given? I think uh, each of the European countries has maybe slightly different guidance because they all have their own different governing bodies that are providing this information. But there tends to be a sort of common core to the way that they're uh, structured. So there's nothing here that may necessarily surprise any business. Uh, but, but I think it's one of those elements whereby businesses may be doing some of these things, not necessarily all of them. Um, so, so first of all, we can start with operating system patching, security updates. Um, so security updates, uh, most businesses will do. But also what you might find is there are little ancillary systems that are sitting out there on the network that maybe haven't been updated because they're running old software that won't work on newer versions and this, this that, and the other. Uh, but those are a real um, uh, entry point for anybody who wishes to attack the systems because security-wise, they're no longer getting patches and there are known vulnerabilities and exploits uh, running on those systems. So it's really important that those be addressed. Obviously, backing up, 
key importance. Uh, being able to restore and testing those restores is really important as well. Uh, access control like privilege access management and uh, two-factor authentication are really important elements that we should be applying to make sure that uh, it's very difficult to attack internal to the network. Um, segmenting networks is also a, a key element. It's, it's a difficult thing to do, but it's a really strong protection mechanism. Uh, so, so that's something that really uh, is very important uh, for, for ensuring that there are elements of your systems that aren't open to attack if you do get breached. The ability to encrypt, of course, but also uh, training staff. Uh, I think uh, the primary way in which ransomware gets onto people's networks is via phishing. Uh, so you need to train your staff to, to understand exactly what a phishing email is going to look like. And they're getting more and more complex and more and more difficult to spot. So actually having um, training uh, for your employees and to maybe well test them a little bit, poke them a little bit with, with uh, slightly uh, difficult to, to read emails, that sort of stuff is, is definitely worth doing. I know we do it as a business. Uh, but also um, practice. You know, Imagine what it would be like to be attacked. People may have a ransomware attack plan or something that they're going to do, or businesses may have a ransomware attack plan, something they're going to do to protect themselves. But are they practicing it? It should be like a disaster recovery plan where maybe we've got a run book and we're actually uh, aggressively imitating what an attack would do to our network. And I think that's something that maybe the businesses aren't necessarily doing. The, the key thing that comes through all of this and comes through all, all, all of the guidance, to be honest, is that you've got to assume that you are going to be attacked. Um, you know, you can make all the protections that, that you want to, and that will massively reduce the risk. But you've got to assume that your live data is going to be attacked, that your backup's going to be attacked, and they're probably going to do it quite slowly. They might be in your system for, for weeks, if not months, before, before you recognise that they're in the system. So, um, yeah, it's, 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 it's really important to understand and plan that an attack is, is almost inevitable. Speaking of attacks then, talking about potentially um, the idea that organisations probably will get attacked, and as we say, we're not talking about completely defending, but we're talking about mitigating it when it happens. It would be really useful maybe to go through the steps of an attack. Maybe you could talk us through the process and what, what you would expect to see when an attack happens. Yeah, I think the certainly uh, it, it's sort of surprised me over the last few years how this process has changed. I think it's fairly obvious that, that ransomware in a lot of people's heads is, is still a piece of malware that was maybe delivered on email um, and that, that then hides on your network and over the weekend just uh, reproduces itself and then goes off and encrypts a load of files. And, and that essentially is it. However, that's not remotely what we're seeing these days. Um, I mean, this, and this attack is constantly evolving. So this is, this is what we're looking at at the moment from a threat perspective, but at the end of the day, this process is by no means going to stay the way that it is. So stage one will normally be just that, ransomware uh, delivered via malware. Somebody has gained access to your network by uh, somebody clicking on a link on an email, something else on those lines. That's the most common form of entry. But at that point, the, the attacker is then running discoveries on your network, trying to understand about your environment, trying to figure out how many sites you've got, what systems you're running, where they are, how the network's segmented. And they go through that process to try and get, a, get an idea as to how your business works. Next, they, they then gain a foothold onto your network. They, they find user IDs, passwords, maybe for low-level users that 
allow them to gain access to certain systems. And this is where security vulnerabilities on old systems are, are an issue. From that, they're then looking to escalate those privileges to try and get themselves up to domain admin level. Um, so at this point, they're not, they're not encrypting anything. They're just trying to get a better foothold. So once they've got to domain admin level, they're then working on finding ways of setting like a, um, a footprint on your network that you can't find. Mm -hmm. So they're, they're, they're now your domain admins to all intents and purposes. So they're setting up uh, backdoors on your network, entry points that they can then utilize if they're found out. After that, they then go after your backups. So this is, again, still not touched your data, but they're now going after your backups. And to a certain extent, immutability is, is important in this point, but also so are many other things, and we'll go on to those a little bit later on. But, but the key issue is they know that if they kill your backups, you have to pay the ransom. It's, it's as simple as that, because without your backups and your data encrypted, then your business is essentially uh, in their hands. So, so it's a really important point. And finally, they then go and deploy their ransomware. They try and encrypt all your data. They try and uh, go for your key systems first because they understand them now because they've been through their discovery processes. They're now your domain admins so that they can uh, work against you to try and um, uh, make sure that their process is working. But this can happen over, I mean, I think the average is something along the lines of 200 days on your network. This is not a small scale thing. These are, these are essentially businesses that are, that are trying to uh, uh, extort money out of you. It's an industry, isn't it? Mm. It's a, mm. there's, 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 as you say, companies. It's not just kids in, in bedrooms now. Yep. Mm. Yeah, very much so. Like ransomware as a service. Mm. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So how is the industry reacting to this, uh, especially the backup vendors? Um, well, I think, to be honest, they've taken it very seriously. Um, and I think that's a really good thing. Uh, certainly over the last... Uh, two years, there's been a lot of uh, change in the way that their products are designed to deal with ransomware. Over the last six months, there's been a lot of new features added, and, and there's been a lot of marketing around specifically immutability. But their focus is primarily based upon their backup product, as you would expect. So, so it's, it's product specific, but from a marketing perspective, they have been sort of pushing immutability as being this sort of all-seeing protection against ransomware which is probably a little bit misleading. So what does immutability provide? So I suppose immutability paints the picture of um, undeletable backups. So effectively, it's, it's, it's like a bit like a retention policy. So you, you might say that you want for three months, six months, nine months, whatever time period you want, you want your backups to be immutable. So once they're saved and committed to, to a kind of memory bank, it doesn't matter what level of credentials um, are used to try and delete them, whether it be uh, junior credentials or the most senior administrative credentials in your business, they are undeletable. Um, you just can't, you can't delete them, you can't modify them. That's what, that's what immutability is. Mm, okay, and what does, what does local immutability not provide? Immutability is really important from the point of view that it stops um, the data being deleted from within the backup solution. But the key point here is the fact that that data is still on your network. And if your network is infected with ransomware, the first thing you're going to do, almost certainly, is shut down that network so that you don't infect anything else that, you may, that may not already be compromised. So after the point that you have shut down your network, whether you have immutable backups or not, you're going to be very nervous about powering those systems back on again for just that reason. So, so having that, that, that data locally is immutable or not is already an issue. Secondly, from an, uh, from an operating system perspective, 
Immutability is designed to work at the application level. So, so if you've got uh, an application uh, backup vendor that is uh, providing you with um, immutability, that doesn't necessarily work at the operating system level. So if your attacker uh, wants to, to a certain extent, they can just go in and delete your data at the operating system level, not within the backup solution. So they can F-disk it, they can format it, they can do whatever it takes to actually go and uh, compromise that data. Um, also, they, if they're on your network and they have administrator access, then they may have administrator access to your backups or, as well. And in doing so, they can then essentially change the, um, the, the time that you retain immutable data for. Remember we said that they may be on your network for 200 days? Well, you might have set immutable backups for three months. Well, they may have the patience to wait three months. So they could change your backups from being immutable for three months and say, well, let's make them immutable for one week or one day or just turn it off completely. And then wait three months till all of the immutable backups are gone and then attack them. So because time is not so much of an issue from their perspective. So, so it's, it's still something whereby once they have compromised your administrator level credentials, they then have the ability to be able to uh, manipulate that data. So we talked earlier about the NIS guidance for, for countries, but what is the recommendations for backup specifically? So specifically for backup, it, it kind of falls into three categories, really. First is, is quite obvious, take regular backups at the right kind of frequency. Um, the second is to make sure you've got multiple copies of that backup across several different types of media. And then the third really is that that, that separate types of media, separate copies of backup isn't, isn't enough. You know, one of those at least needs to be independent and offline. I, that's really, I think independence the key word with regard to that sort of stuff, because in, in, when you take a backup of your data and your backup solution is destroyed, your backup is still valid. And that's what independent means. So it's, for example, if you take a backup and then take a synchronous copy of that backup at a different site, that's not independent because if someone corrupts this source copy because it's synchronously replicating, the, the uh, replica copy also gets corrupted. So, so having uh, an independent copy is really critical because if the primary network is compromised and the primary backup system is compromised, then we still need to be able to have a restorable copy of that data offline. So, so when so. we say independent, what we really mean is another network? Completely a different network and essentially standalone from the point of view that we can run up another copy of that backup solution and read that data in and, and perform a restore. So off your network, outside of your admin control and uh, completely self-standing. So I suppose offline as well means that you it needs to be in a separate physical location, doesn't it? You know, if we're, you know, as well as that risk of being on the same virtual network, if it's in the same physical location but off the network, you've still got the risk of fire, flood, all those kind of physical, geographically located, yeah. traditional disaster recovery issues. Traditional disasters. Yeah. Nice. Yes. Yeah. No, it's very true. Yeah. Uh, we, 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 from a disaster recovery perspective, we've always thought of fire and flood as the main threats, but these days, uh, obviously, now more ransomware than it is either of those two. There are actually some key, other key themes that run through the guidance. The first is, is strong access control, um, and that's, that's your standard things like 2FA and privilege access management, but also it's about making sure your credentials are, are, are totally off that network system. You've not got any record of, of those credentials anywhere within the system. The second is test restores. So you know, if you're relying on your backups um, for you to recover your organization as that, as that last point you know, that you, you're going to get to, 
You need to make sure they work. You need to do the test restores. Then the third is, is, in, is encryption. You've got to make sure that the, the, the backups are encrypted um, so that at least only the software can read them and that the external actors can't, can't really access them. Interestingly, though, in the guidance, there's no real mention of immutability. So what is the best protection for your backup systems then? It's important in this situation that we remember a number of things. Firstly, we're not actually fighting a virus. Uh, up until this point, when, when it comes to sort of uh, malware, we've, we're fighting a piece of software that's been installed onto our network and is doing nasty things. So we install some antivirus software and the antivirus software gets rid of it. Or we do something along those lines. But in this situation, we're actually fighting an individual, another person, or a group of people who are on our network and deliberately trying to be destructive. And I think that's a very different focus from the way that we normally uh, look at our, um, uh, our protection mechanisms. So, so I think it's very important that the business sort of says, right, okay, we've got to take this very seriously because somebody is deliberately trying to put your, either to get a lot of money out of you or to put your business out of business, simply that. Um, so on that basis, we then got to assume about the fact that they will get admin credentials. They will gain access to your admin credentials. And on that basis, how on earth are you going to protect yourself? And they're going to target your backup solution. If they get your backup solution, you're paying the ransom. Simple as that. So, so it's really important that, that, that those elements are very highly protected. So in this situation, we then start saying, well, hold on a minute. Is backup solution running locally a good thing? And actually, local backup solutions where you have admin user rights, you have credentials probably sitting on your network somewhere, and even SaaS solutions, where the admin logins, the emails that came in that gave you the logins for your SaaS solution are still on your network, are not very secure because the people who are trying to attack them have access to that same uh, network that you do. This is where isolation becomes the key protection mechanism. If you're isolating your backup from your administrators, then you're providing yourself with the best level of protection. So, so I think, um, taking your data, putting it off-site, really important. Taking it, putting it off-network, really important. Isolating it from your admins also is important because it just means that it's not open to attack in the same way that it would be normally. So when you talk about isolation, uh, the three areas that you spoke of there, are you talking about potentially having, what, a third party host that network or is it usual for organisations to have multiple networks? How does that work? Isolation, I think, in this situation means it's got to be a different site, it's got to be a different network, it's got to be on different hardware, and ideally it's got to be somewhere that you're not managing. Um, because if it is somewhere that you're managing, therefore your admins are managing, therefore your attacker also has access. So I think isolation in this situation means essentially another business. That's probably the best method of protection. So is having an externally managed backup provider more secure and in keeping with the security guidance? So let's go through them. Um, so what, what do they say? Take regular backups. Well, okay, that's fairly straightforward, isn't it? Any backup provider is going to provide you with fairly regular backups. So that's easy enough to do. Let's have independent copies of that data. And I think one of the key elements when it comes to having an external provider for your backup solution is, is the fact that uh, you're not running the backup solution. The backup solution is being managed and run by an independent party. And what that means is that you don't have an access to that individual copy. So therefore, by definition, it's independent from your, your environment. Is that offline? Yes. Clearly, you want a local copy of your data to be able to restore from. 
but also you want that data replicated off-site, independent of your network, so that if your network is attacked, then uh, you're not open to attack. Strong access management is really important, and certainly as part of Prioritz Backup as a Service solution, we provide two-factor authentication for the interface, so that anybody attempting to log into our interface to be able to access or uh, to provide changes for your backup solution requires uh, privileged access to be able to get into it. Um, also, when it comes to things like uh, testing backups, as an independent provider, product, speaking for ourselves, we will do structured testing for your backups to make sure that they're all working. So it's really important that, um, that, that there's, a, there's a regime in place for that. And people do that internally, of course, but, but obviously it's contracted when you're doing it with an external provider, which is quite important. Keep backups long term. I suppose really any provider is able to provide backups for an extended period of time and prior to no different. We can do backups that are local, we can do backups that are held at Pryact, we can also do backups in public cloud providers and uh, elements like that as object storage if required. And of course, encryption and data held within uh, certainly Pryact's environment is fully encrypted both on your site and at Pryact's site. So in that respect, we're completely in line with what you get from a guidance perspective, but the key area here is the fact that it's isolated from your administrator and your access which is really important. So going back to our original point then, is having an external backup service like Proax Backup as a Service immutable? Yeah, I, and I think that's a very valid point. But I think what we discussed about immutability earlier on really uh, points out the fact that, yeah, anything is immutable if it can't be deleted even by the admin. Um, uh, so, so from the point of view of Proax Backup as a Service solution, once we've taken that data and we've taken it off-site, we're protecting it. And therefore, your backup administrator, as a, from your business, does not have access to that data directly. Your backup administrator does not have the ability, therefore, to be able to perform deletions, to be able to change the period of time it takes for the data to be aged off, to be able to um, remove agents from being protected without taking some sort of access control. So there you can ask us to do elements for that service, but we have a change control process that will then say, right, okay, well, you know, this, this, this customer has asked for all of their data to be deleted. Maybe we should pick up the phone, I think is the, is the normal the way that we would handle this sort of thing. And I think that's really important. So a degree of change control is incumbent within it because it's a managed service. So, so essentially, um, backup as a service, running as an independent system to your environment has all the benefits that immutability provides, but it also um, essentially provides you with better protection against a ransomware because of its isolation. So at the end of the day, um, the, I suppose the guiding principle is that what can't be accessed can't be attacked, can it? So you've got, you've got two things really. If, you're, if your backup is off-site and you know, whether that be in a, with a provider like Proact or through some other medium, if it's isolated, that's, that's, that's one point, but, but combining that with immutability and making sure it's effectively read-only read gives you the best, the best overall protection against um, external actors. If you could give advice, one piece of advice to our, our customers, what would, what would it be as a last finishing thought? Yeah, I suppose for me, um, I suppose uh, think about isolation is the most important element. Ransomware is, uh, is a really big issue. Um, I think the, the key point at the start from the NCSE about 
uh, assume you're going to be attacked. It's as simple as that. At the end of the day, you can't look at this and think, well, it won't be me. It's not the same as fire and flood used to be for disaster recovery. This is much more critical. And uh, if they get hold of you, it will be incredibly expensive for your business. So I think it's, it's one of those things where you have to take this extremely seriously. And certainly, um, we can help as a business. So I think, by all means, talk to, talk to Pratt. But, but apart from that, do, you know, do make sure you take the process seriously. So as my piece of advice would be that, that we've talked largely about backups today, but backups are, are just one piece of that security, um, that portfolio, and it's, 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 it's one layer of defence amongst many different layers of defence that, that you can have to reduce the risk of a, of a, of a cyber attack. So um, spend time looking not just into backups, but into the different types of security services that can stop cyber criminals before, they even, before you even need to reference your backups. So thanks guys for coming in today. It's been really great having you in the studio. If you'd like to know more, please do get in contact. And if you've got any questions about anything you've heard, then you can get in touch or you can visit our website. Thank you for watching.